What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. This is your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. If you're trying to build a culture from zero, it's bottom-up feedback that's going to give you staying power. If you never take the time to have your assumptions pressure tested by your people, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's the key lesson that M Melissa Hinshaw, executive director of Lone Star College, learned when she started the process of transforming the culture of our organization. So what's Melissa's story? Let's get into that a little bit. She currently serves as the executive director of organizational development at Lone Star College. She is a former student of Lone Star, and she began her career at the college in 2014 when she joined organizational development as a part-time coordinator. So she's risen through the ranks and now has a senior and executive level leadership position within the organization. And she's used her background and experience in social sciences, education, and passion for developing others to transform the organization. So this is going to be a great conversation that's going to be informed by the journey that Melissa took while she was at Lone Star. Super excited to have Melissa on the show. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I think your perspective, especially from the higher education lens, is going to be important for our listeners as they work on their own transformation initiatives. And I think you have a unique story that you're going to be able to share with us. I, I'd like you to get the listeners up to speed on what you feel is relevant for them to know about you that's going to inform the conversation. I think for me, it's really the time I've spent, as you said, working in the social sciences, having some time there, but also working through education. Grew up in a family with education, always knew there was something there and I really had a passion for, but also had that passion for social sciences. And so worked through many levels of education from K through 12, even in a school with children with communication disorders, and then wanted to check out higher ed. And that's where I landed here and really learned that organizational development and my sociology background really came together well for this work and in what we've been able to do specifically with the culture, which we'll talk about today. And being at Lone Star College, knowing a little bit about it will help as well. It's on the north side of Houston, but we are a community college, but rather large for a community college. So we're different in that aspect. We've got 85,000 students, 7,000 employees, eight locations. So talking about building the culture ground up and getting that bottom up feedback in an organization of this size can be challenging, but it, it's something that we're also proud of. I want to tie together a few aspects about your background and story as we dig in. So there's, there's a few aspects that I find really interesting. So you've had experience in the social sciences space. You've been a student of the university that you're in now. 
and you're in a leadership role and you've been an entrepreneur. So I want to yes. stitch all of those things together and get some insight into how that informed your talent strategy. And especially the aspect where you were a student and then you went from a part-time employee to an executive leader or senior leader within the organization. How has that shaped how you show up in the organization, how that influences your people strategy? I think it comes in a lot and often from just even the education, of course, understanding what it's like from both the faculty professor side as well as the student side. So understanding both of those sides of what it means, what they're feeling, thinking, experiencing. And then, as you said, I had a, a little stint as an entrepreneur, forming something that wasn't there before, learning it on my own, finding ways to build it and grow it, and then coming back to education after that and really getting into just starting part-time. So organizational development was not something I had specifically had experience with but knew it was interesting and was also part of higher ed, which I was interested in doing because I had not done before. So just getting a feel coming in part-time that was still doing the entrepreneur stuff on the side. So juggling both of those, but it gave me the opportunity part-time to really learn a little bit more about higher ed in general. And of course, Lone Star College, and then of course, the work of organizational development but that's where I start to see all those pieces coming together because what we do is we really work to grow and develop our employees so they can be better and provide what's needed to our students and our community. And so knowing how to, what the classroom experiences and bringing that in, but then also seeing how to, what can we provide for workshops, learning and development, leadership development, faculty development that is going to help our organization and our overall goals. And so being able to piece that together. And some of that is a little bit of creativity and doing things new and different as we come across different obstacles or just need to stay on the cutting edge of things. And that pulls in some of that entrepreneurship and just tr sometimes trying things, knowing I think it's a good idea, but may or may not work, but trying it and, and see what sticks and, you know, learning. Sometimes it doesn't. Learning from mistakes to move forward in a positive way. And then sometimes things can be really successful. So it really helps me to be able to focus, I think, on the development of others and then also brings in that empathy because I've got the perspectives from different areas, many of who are the stakeholders in the work that we do and our purpose here at Lone Star College. You mentioned trying things and experimenting and, and trying to iterate from there. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned when it comes to having that experimentation culture in an organization that's as large as Lone Star? Typically in, in large organizations, been my experience that you don't get a lot of opportunities to experiment. So how did you bridge right. that gap and still keep that innovation mindset in an organization as large as yours? Good question. It was something that I had to, to learn even on my own, but also had some good support in that way. So I did making those connections, finding colleagues or having leaders that really encourage that or or give the grace when a mistake is made or something doesn't go, that knowing your intent was there and seeing also, okay, it didn't go exactly how we planned, but we learned our lesson and how I, we can apply that in the future. So we're always like, sometimes might come with a problem, but if I'm coming with a problem, I always need to come with a solution as well. And so just shifting some of the mindset and offering that same type of grace to others and really 
just communicating that communication is big. Even working with new employees who are new to the organization, they may not have had that experience. So just letting them know that we do a lot of things differently at Lone Star College or new and different, always trying new things, but that comes just from experimenting. And so we don't, our students are changing every day and we need to be there to meet them for their changes and their needs. And we can't just keep doing what we're doing and give them what they need as things change and grow. And so we do need to have that creativity and that mindset. And just sometimes it's just bouncing ideas around and that gets into the collaboration and the connections too. And um, connections, colleagues that are specific in certain areas that they're really good at, that they have some experience in and bouncing ideas off of them and just having those organic conversations to help develop those ideas and bring them to fruition. The, the big thing that I take away from what you've described, it sounds like there's a an element of the culture where that experimentation and willingness to try things is embedded uh, into the organization. And that's got to be a leadership component that we'll get into a little bit later. You're approaching almost 10 years at Lone Star and you've knocked out mm -hmm. yes. the cultural transformation component. And that's going to be a big part mm -hmm. of what we talk about. But when you look forward into 2024 and 2025, what's the next mountain that you have to climb? I'm going to combine two things into one, I think, here. So for the culture work, it's part of that is just what do we do next with that? So I think it's very important we continue to work on it, but it shouldn't always look exactly the same because people are going to tune out or it's not going to be effective. Um, and so really starting, we've focused on employees with that, but really starting to pull in our students. So we've just started to pull them in to a steering committee that we have that's focused around our culture. So really starting to pull the students in to get their perspective, their feedback, their thoughts on how can we do this better or what are we missing that would help you as a student. So besides guessing or assuming what it is, we've got them plugged in right there with us. And so we're just starting to get names and interest. And so I'm really excited to see how that pans out. And then honestly, for myself, it's a little bit of having some of that being more specific and intentional about my focus time. So we talked about the creativity and the innovation and sometimes get so busy on the day-to-day -day and checking things off the list that calendar gets full and I don't have some dedicated time to really plan out something new or different to make it the quality that I want it to be. And so that's something personally I'm working on. I don't know if you're familiar with Juliet Funt and she's got some books and what she talks about the white space, just adding time on the calendar, which I've done, but sometimes I book over that. And so it's really being better about keeping that time there and knowing the benefit that it will have. I can totally relate to your calendar blocking challenges because I have stuff that <laughs> is, quote unquote, supposed to be blocked off that I can't book over. But then in the moment, there's always something that comes up that oh, I'm like, oh, I can push this off. And then when you push it off, you never get back to it. One of the things that, that I want to bring this back to is the culture work that you've done. And I referenced this in the beginning of the conversation that if you're trying to build a culture from zero, you have to have bottom-up feedback that's going to give you the staying power that you need to make that culture shift lasting. How did that become a big lesson for you during your time at Lone Star? I 
don't know that I quite noticed it at that time yet, but when in 2014, we had a new chancellor come in who um, established our priority goals. So five priority goals for the college. And one of those was culture, which is great, but nothing we had intentionally focused on. And that was to be led from our department and organizational development. And so thinking, okay, this is a big deal coming from the very top. It's important, but we also have 7,000 employees. At the time, we were six campuses. We had thousands of students. So how are we going to get this to everyone in a timely manner, but also make it effective? And so at that time, we realized to really do that and to make it a transformational change, we've got to get the right people in at the right time. And that's thinking about having that representation across all of our colleges, all the different roles we have. We've got adjunct faculty, full-time administrators. We've got, we even have satellite centers as well. We've got our facilities, our marketing, many different groups. So it's important to have their voice heard, planning out how are we going to do that? Because that takes time, but still also keep the ball rolling so people don't hear about it and then forget about it and we lose that momentum. And so while we were forming a larger task force and then later a steering committee around this work, what we did off the bat was just do some quick, we call it road shows, traveling around to each location, doing a quick 30 minute, hey, this is what we're doing around culture. This is what you can expect. And so just starting to get the word out that way so they know, so they're aware of what's happening and we're including them in that process, allowing time for questions. And then they know what to expect next. There's a lot of different areas in what you just described that presents challenges, but I'm going to hone in on one of them in particular. Whenever anybody hears about any sort of big change, there's an automatic resistance to, oh, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound good. So when you look at the large organization that you're serving with 7,000 employees, multiple locations, and you have this big initiative that is being rolled out. What was your strategy or process for overcoming that resistance that might have already existed when this big change was announced? Walk us through what you did to overcome that. Lone Star, we just had last year was our 50th anniversary. And so at this point in time, there were some folks who had been here 40, 40 years. And So seeing a big change, either they were on the cusp of, we're fine, we don't need to change, why do we need this? Or I've heard this story before, it didn't work, I'm not going to pay much attention, I'm not bought in. And so um, getting leadership always helps, I think, and hearing that from the top, of course, from the chancellor, but then getting everyone's voices in a way. So knowing that they were represented and we hear you we're hearing your what's working, what's not, and we're taking that into consideration and we're building off of that feedback. Sharing that as we were going around talking to everyone and then also bringing in when we first started a task force to even start us like, what do we're working on the culture? We're going to develop some cultural beliefs, talking about what's working, what's not. And that, that was interesting because we wanted us a smaller group, but we also wanted everyone to be represented. So when we're thinking about all our campuses, all the roles, or the departments, it ended up being about 120 people, but it really worked. And honestly, starting it, we were like, this may be like herding cats, not sure how it's going to go, but it, it went well. Everyone was able to give their voice 
and share some some group interaction, but then full groups. So we started with, as you can imagine, with that many people, quite a long list of what's working, what's not. But then talking about where is our future as a college and theming all of those concepts down to help us focus on what do we think we most need to focus on and build in our culture to help us reach the goals that we're working to achieve. And so that really helped get that narrowed down. And then even having meetings with specific teams or leadership where we could get into a little bit deeper discussion. What does the culture look like for you? What is it like here? We, we have a culture at Lone Star College, but each of our campuses is a little bit different. There's different sizes. They have some different programs. Their students look a little bit different. So those conversations with folks at different campuses could be a little bit different as to what they're seeing and needing culture-wide. Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community, get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. And now back to the show. We're taking the HR Impact Show on the road. As a loyal listener to the HR Impact Show, we'd like to invite you to join us live at the 2024 Transform Conference at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas from March 11th through the 13th. Transform brings together people-driven leaders, investors, and innovators across industries and backgrounds with a shared passion for people innovation and transforming the world of work. The 2024 Transform Conference is going to be the best yet. Here's what you can expect. Innovative showcases, probing conversations, hands-on learning experiences, 300-plus speakers, and more. Join us and let's shape the future world of work together. The build-out of focus groups, the best practice, but then your focus groups ended up being pretty large. And out of those focus groups, you probably had a lot of input on what could be fixed. I guess one of the things that I'm curious about is if you're trying to execute a pretty large scale organizational transformation and you get a lot of input on areas of opportunity on what to change, how did you prioritize what was most important to least important? So it really was just getting that that large group together, giving a little bit of background about culture and why it's important, what does it mean, and how it's really here to connect us. We want it to be a great place to work and to feel good, but it's also here to help us achieve our goals. So keeping the focus on that helps too. And then as people were sharing out what's working or what's not or what do we need still at Lone Star, and then theming it down. So just getting them to work in groups to say, okay, where do some of these, and it really was just matching together. Where do some of these things fit together? What could we merge? And it ended up just trickling into kind of six big buckets. Maybe it's like communication, maybe it's students. So pretty broad buckets, but that got us to six. And then it was having, we were in a larger room. So having a station where we put up six flip charts and everyone went to one to start where then they really started to develop, okay, if it's students, what is it about the students that's most important right now that we need to focus on and starting to develop the statement and the title that would be our cultural belief. But then the rotation happened. So that group would go to the next one 
though ultimately you would see what the last group wrote and you would get to edit. So everyone was able to to see and make a tweak and an edit on actually forming those cultural beliefs. And then at the end of the day, we just send it to our chancellor for approval or ratification there. And then I think another key part of that is after that, after they were developed and we were doing the road shows, we would talk to the group. So maybe they weren't included or available at that first session of that task force. But we would talk to a group and just share a little bit about culture and why it's important. But we won't, wouldn't have shared the cultural beliefs yet of, of what we had developed. And we would get their input on what's working and what's not. And then we would show these are the cultural beliefs that we've come up with. Do you think the focus areas that you talked about that you shared with us fit into one of these? And every time they did. And so that way they saw, okay, maybe I wasn't there helping create it on this day, but my thoughts and perspective are represented in these cultural beliefs. And that really helped to get people on board and engaged and understanding it and understanding their part of it. If I take a look at what you just described, you established focus groups that gave you a list of things that could be actioned or solved mm -hmm. out of the, that list of things. Those things were prioritized based on big strategic initiatives. And then they were pressure tested against different populations within the organization, within the organization to validate or invalidate the working theory. So that's a good framework for at least building an operating model. The next thing that I'm wondering is when you have that model built, how did you get it to stick? What did you find worked best in bringing that to life? Sometimes that's where thing, you do all that work and then it just fizzles down. That's not what we definitely didn't want that to happen. We had some good momentum going. So what we did next was form a steering committee. And so what that consisted of was it's not just us saying, hey, this is what we're doing. Let's do it or let's put a poster on the wall and say we're all doing it, but not talk about it again. So we put together a steering committee and we really thought about who is going to be most impacted. Who do we need to help drive this work? Who's invested in it? And so that was, again, representatives from all of our colleges, but it included folks like our professional development areas, our marketing and communications. And, and we wanted, we wanted some faculty and some staff. And so we put that together and that still exists today and we meet regularly. But the great thing about that is it pulls all of those conversations and those perspectives together. And so someone at our Tomball campus can come together and share, here's what we're seeing or doing or needing. And then someone at our Kingwood campus may have something different. And so we're hearing and seeing and learning from each other and just becoming more of a, of a collective group around the culture and what's happening across the college. But then oftentimes we start to hear themes like, oh, I'm seeing you're hearing this. Oh, so are we. And so that's something we know then it might be more system-wide that needs a focus or that people are really invested in. And we want to put some more effort into that. And then they have helped done the work too. We did a distributive model for training. So again, getting the word out about our culture, our beliefs, providing some models and tools that they can use, talk about recognition and feedback and really making it a transformational change. And so we trained some trainers who, so they could help give that 
training as well. So we were giving the same information, the same message, and we were aligned around that, but it wasn't just one or two people having to try to go and put this out everywhere across the large system. And so we were able to all go out and do that at the time and reach more people, but with the same, same message overall. When I take inventory of what you just described, there, there's a really nice symmetry that you've laid out. There was a combination of not just creating this listening culture that's informed by the values and strategic initiatives that you have, but there's action embedded in that through the steering committee that really helps maintain the momentum of all this build that you've done. Melissa, really good stuff in terms of how do you build your knowledge base for trying to execute a cultural change. Really good foundational work on how do you actually take that framework and put it into action. There's a couple of things that I'm curious about that I, I think we need to flush out. One is when you look at all the stuff that you've accomplished and you take a look back, what were the things that popped up that you hadn't anticipated that the audience needs to be aware of if they're trying to execute a large-scale transformation? I would say the big thing that comes to mind is the communication and connection. So we know it's important, but I did not realize how very important it was until we were in, in the process and involving the folks that are going to be impacted. Because if they feel you're making these decisions and it's impacting them and they weren't involved, they don't. it's harder for them to get on board or to see the value in it. But then also just the communication and, and every step of the way, what are we doing now? What's next? That people just understand that it provides clarity and the alignment around it. And then there are going to be the naysayers and not it's easy for us to spend our time focusing on the few that aren't there or aren't supportive of it. And so to reframe that and, and keep your focus on those who who are really involved, you're going to have, there's 80, 10, 10. And any big change like this, there's going to be 10% that are like, oh, this is wonderful. They're ready to go. They're moving fast and, and on board right away. There's 80% that are like, this is pretty good. We can get down with this. We'll see how it goes. And then there's the 10 that are like this. I'm just not behind this. This doesn't make sense. What's wrong with what we've been doing? And so really focusing on that 80 and 10 because that's where you're going to get the movement made. And then that final 10, they'll start to see that. They're like, oh, okay, that is some good work being done. This change is making a positive impact. Maybe it is worth taking another look. And they will gradually, hopefully trickle in. I like your point about the 80-10-10 model. And there's one aspect of it that I'd be curious to get your insight on. And that's mm -hmm. that 10% that are just dragging feet to, to, to where you want to go. Was there anything in particular that you noticed that you did to keep from getting sucked in to that side of the house where things were getting slowed down? Because it's going to take a lot of effort to get those people on board. So what were some of the things that you did that kept you from sinking into that spiral on the uh, other end of the continuum? Hearing them out. They're still part of the organization and their perspective and experience is important. So hearing them out validating that as it as we need but also then putting it against what we're talking about with the culture with our beliefs is is what they're thinking or saying supportive of those beliefs is it following our our model and what we need to create for our students do they are they bringing back to that common the common goal in our future is it more something more kind of personal or is are they really keeping the organization too 
at the thought as they're moving for a lot of times it's maybe something more that's just harder for them to what they need to do it's not necessarily that they think something is not right for the organization or not a good move but sometimes they're not yet into that mindset and so thinking about the mindset and of course seeing and focusing on those that are moving forward with it or are on board and engaged so seeing the momentum from that and the great work that's coming from that and knowing that's the majority and so that helps we don't want to ignore the others but also know that we don't want to get stuck there either because we are good work was being done and we want to keep that moving when you think about everything that we've talked about and We've talked about two big things. One is how do you build a culture from zero? And the other part is how do you get it to stick and have it have staying power? So those are two big tasks. And if there's somebody that's listening to this and is in the midst of of executing an organizational change or transformation or thinking about how to do this right, what's the framework that they need to have in mind so that they have the level of success that you did? at Lone Star? Starting with the goals in mind, which I think is often overlooked. So knowing that our, what are our priority goals of the organization, establishing that, communicating that, because sometimes culture is looked at as, oh, the feel good, fuzzy stuff. And that's hard. Some people are just all on board because of that. So really being able to connect it to, yes, we want it to be a great place to work, but more importantly, it's about what do we need to do to get to our how of our goals that we're looking to achieve. And so starting there and then using that to build the conversation, pulling in the stakeholders that you need to help in the conversation of developing those cultural beliefs or values. And so you're getting the perspectives from different places. So it's going to be more impactful to the larger population. It's not just from one person's viewpoint and throwing them out there quickly. And then, but of course, wanting to keep the momentum going as well, going out and sharing what's being done, being sure people are getting the message of where are we with this culture work? What does it mean? And where are we headed? Because a lot of times with change, That's just why people don't want it and they're uneasy because they're not sure what the future holds. So if we can help clarify that, that helps them be more at ease. And then again, getting those those colleagues from across the organization that are really going to help drive it forward and be behind it and help help put the work out there so you can reach a larger population, but still give the quality work and the quality discussions that are needed. And then knowing that It's changes and continuing to keep an eye on it and those discussions and what do we need to do next and the culture to build on that. If people want to continue the conversation, what's the best uh, way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, best way really is probably just LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. That's easy to access. I appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, And when I think about the conversation that we had, there's one interesting concept that I think is worth calling out. This is what I take away from the entire conversation. Your roadmap for actually executing organizational change and making it stick is really solid. But the interesting thing aspect about it is that we often fall into the trap of thinking that these big organizational transformation initiatives are often willed into existence by the power of whatever leader or leaders want to push this forward. And what I gather from your description of what you did is that the reality is if you want this stuff to stick, you got to take your organizational mindset and flip it upside down. If you think about it in a pyramid, 
you got to turn that pyramid upside down and focus at the people that are closest to the work first and get what's important to them and then prioritize that as part of that organizational transformation. So if you're out there listening and trying to execute, this is not a leader-driven initiative or transformation that you need to focus on. It's a people-driven transformation that you need to focus on. So if whatever you're trying to do isn't centered on your people first, you're likely to fail because you're not going to have enough momentum to make it stick when it gets out of the strategy session and moves into action. So really good stuff that I uh, appreciate you sharing with us. For those of you who have listened to the conversation and have liked what we've talked about, make sure you leave us a review. And for those of you who have uh, hung out with us and have listened to the conversation, we appreciate you spending time with us. If you like content like this, make sure you join our community. You can find that at engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And you'll find a lot of content that will help you build a high performance team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.